Hey, Dreadfuls, it's Rye. Chris is feeling a little under the weather, so in lieu of a regular episode, we're crossing the streams and giving you something different. We hope you enjoyed this episode with the Monster Hunters of Iron, Silver, and Salt. Check them out on iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy! You idiots! You still don't realize what you're dealing with. The alien is a perfect organism. Superbly structured, cunning, quintessentially violent. With your limited capabilities, you have no chance against it. This is Iron, Silver, and Salt. The streets of Salem were a terrifying sight. The witches dancing with the demons in the night. Their evil minions watch the town while it's in bed. Wish them dead. The minute he came in and said, now recording, everybody, an uneasy silence falls across the group. <laughs> no, Craig is speaking. We must let him speak. Every time he comes into the room, I just hear the Terminator's theme song <laughs> go in my head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Iron, Silver, and Salt, the monster hunting podcast, where each week we take a monster from fiction, folklore, and a whole wide variety of sources, and we tell you how to kill it. I'm your host, Christopher Rodriguez, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. Hi, I'm Will, and I didn't prepare an interesting fact about myself, but um, I do keep a calendar to remind me of when everything is. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adrian. <laughs> uh, no fun fact for the week, but uh, still quarantining, still clean, so feeling good. Oh, I should clean my bathroom. Gents, today is a very special episode, because today we are once again joined by our very good friends from the Left for Dread podcast. Yo, so we broke quarantine. We're we're told No, no, stop it. <laughs> we broke quarantine. We're on L we're on LZ426 with oh the, the, our favorite monster hunters and we're talking about alien. Aliens. I'm always I am always quarantined. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Chris was quarantined before the quarantine. <laughs> I warned you and you laughed at me. Fools. Fools they called me. Suddenly your underground space bunker doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Well, if you're quarantining and you're disinfected yourself, you're technically quarantined clean. Ha. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah, hey. I, miss, I miss the dad jokes. This is great. <laughs> so I, I propose that we rename the coronavirus something else so we don't like lazily fall back on that joke. What would you guys prefer to refer the coronavirus as? The Smash Mouth reunion tour? <laughs> well, that would explain why nobody's left their house. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> it's 2001 all over again smash oh, no. you know i saw them live once in like 2011 <laughs> what i'm so jelly I, I saw them live yeah they played at like a little ballpark in my in my hometown and like maybe a hundred people showed up well i think outside of the that fact did they play their one their only all-star did they do it <laughs> They did, they did, but they didn't adhere to the lyrics, um, b- because they used they used a swear word in one of the lyrics where there wasn't a swear word. How dare they in that good Christian band? <laughs> and it absolutely ruined my childhood. <laughs> so if you are like us, everybody, and you're stuck inside because of the Smash Mouth reunion tour, the um, <laughs> the we're gonna be covering a monster today that emphasizes the importance of quarantine. What monster is that, guys? The Xenomorph. More specifically, a drone. But, I mean, that's 
from the expanded canon, but uh, we're talking about the Xenomorph from Ridley Scott's Alien. I'm so excited. The one, the famous alien from Alien. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> from 1979, you know, small movie, kind of cult classic, uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Mm-hmm. You know, funny thing about that movie, it's a lot of firsts for people. And, and I mean, people involved. Uh, like, it was it was uh, Sigourney Weaver's first major film role. Oh, she killed it. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> she killed it. I mean, all the actors in the movie killed it. Oh, yeah. All the actors were really established, especially, like, I, I don't know, like, Tom Skerritt as Dallas had top billing. And then you had, like, Sir John Hurt as Kane. And I think prior to this, Ripley, or I'm sorry, Sir Gordy Weaver, huh? Um, I think she only had one other film under her belt, but she impressed uh, Bannon, Scott, and Shusette, um with her audition at the end. It was the final speech she was she was given at the end, and uh, she has a, a huge theater background. So, um, and th- this movie propelled her into to pop culture fandom as like one of the most badass uh actors and you know leading ladies alive and it's awesome yeah she was in a bunch of movies after alien Mm -hmm. i know she was in ghostbusters yeah also bilbo baggins was in this film yes was he yeah ian holm ian holm Holm? that's bilbo baggins i didn't make the connection (laughs) it's a lot easier to think of it when you see uh ash's head on the table and you think oh yeah that's creepy bilbo right there bilbo's an android (laughs) kill it bilbo was a robot all along (laughs) kill it with fire yeah this is probably like in fiction just in fiction in movie fiction in general this is probably one of the most dangerous animals just ever What's the quote they use from the movie? It's like, it's something, its power is only rivaled by its hostility or something like that. And structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. There you it's go. Thank unclouded you, by morality. Unclouded by, uh, uh, I don't know. The xenomorph is sort of the perfect, is almost like Hollywood's perfect killing machine. Like if you were to take any, I think any, any other alien from fiction, and put it in a cage match with a xenomorph. Odds are the xenomorph's going to come out on top. And we're we're excluding like comic book aliens like Superman and Thanos, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Thanos would crush this thing in the palm of his hand. But in science fiction, if you take a similarly sized animal or alien and you put it in a cage with a xenomorph, that's the that's the logic I'm going around here. Maybe a Wookiee could take it out. Maybe what? What about Roger from American Dad? Oh, this it would kill it would kill Roger. It would kill the shit out of Roger, and I would be very happy it would do so because Roger's the fucking worst. I feel like the world would actually celebrate that because yeah. I also just don't like American Dad as a show. So Oh, that's blasphemy. How dare you? How dare you, Will? Listen, listen, DC, D- DC man. <laughs> have hot take opinions. I mean, that has nothing to do with the fact that American Dad exclusively uh, plays on uh, TBS, which is a fully owned subsidiary of Time Warner, which is owned by DC. <laughs> has nothing to do with that. Are you owned by Time Warner Cable, Adrian? We haven't broached this topic before, but... Uh... No, not at all. I'm, I'm just like diametrically opposed to the idea of the mouse collecting all of these media properties like uh, like infinity stones and then one day using it to crush everyone's heart and spirit 
You know, it's funny that you bring up Alien and Mickey Mouse. Did you know there was supposed to be an Alien-themed ride at Disney World? Oh my god. I need it. I need it in my veins. I think there was. Technically, Ripley is a Disney princess now. This is true, because like this movie is released by 20th Century Fox. and Which is yeah. now owned by Disney. So Ripley's a Disney princess. So there was, in in uh, in Tomorrowland, at Walt Disney World in Orlando, there was going to be an alien encounter. There uh, was one. I was there. I actually went on the alien encounter. It was scary as shit. I think the, um, if I remember correctly, it was never truly alien themed it was extra terrestrial alien encounter yeah no no it was it was never uh, a xenomorph it was like another kind of spooky alien but it wasn't uh it wasn't a xenomorph i couldn't tell the difference when i was like nine or ten because for some reason i went on that ride and like it had the same thing where like the alien broke out you could hear it crawling all around oh uh, and then it had the thing where it would like breathe on the back of your neck and it was yeah. uh, oh, just uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, exactly. no, no, rides. no, yeah. no, no, man. Well, now it is no, uh, it's Stitch's Great Escape, I believe. Um, which I don't know if that's still there, but so it, it yeah, it, it's no longer scary. It's just you have an encounter with Stitch, and he does all the same things, but it's more goofy. Um, In Universal Studios, I don't know if that this ride is still exists, but it's like. It's like a trolley ride through famous movie sets throughout history. And there's one section where it goes through the set of Alien. And you have like this animatronic of Ripley, the classic klaxons going off, like, wah, wah, wah. and then, and then you, there's all this, there's all this fog and steam and air cannons going on, it's like flashing lights. And then you see, you see the, the xenomorph like crawl its way out of a vent. That one's and- at Disney World too. Yeah, so good. That I, one's I, the great movie ride. Oh my god, that ride like effed me up, but I loved it. It was, it was yeah, great. like the, so at the great at the extra terrestrial, the uh, the XS Tech Corporation was supposed to be Wayland Utani, and it's like yeah, no, it, it, just like the movie, <laughs> throw people in <laughs> with a xenomorph, and we'll see what happens. This will be great. Nothing could possibly go wrong. One thing I noticed in the movie is they also don't they also don't mention Wayland Utani by name. They just call it the company. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was probably, well, I didn't watch Aliens, so maybe Aliens was the first canon movie to mention the company's I name. I mean, maybe they didn't mention it, but did they have maybe like a, like... They had like a logo, but it, it it's not like the same logo, if that makes sense. It's not like, you know, like the ubiquitous um, YW look, it's like this other wingy kind of thing. So going back to the Xenomorph, uh, something that we would have to look at about the xenomorph is that the xenomorph as a, as an alien has several different and very distinct stages and changes to it. We can't really mention it without mentioning other movies in the franchise because they expand on the alien lore and the way that they reproduce, but it goes into there're basically three very distinct stages to a xenomorph. There is the facehugger stage uh which plants the egg in the human being which then hatches which turns into the regular uh, xenomorph stage which is the one that terrorizes the crew and alien and then from there there is also the alien queen stage which is the one that actually plants the eggs for the facehuggers and and the legend continues so and then there's also other bits and pieces of canon like um assuming uh an alien hive grows over like 300 
uh, and establishes a new queen. Certain um, certain drones can evolve into Praetorians, which are their version of like the royal hive guard. They they guard and protect the queen. It's like a much bigger version of the drone with like this elongated, horny, crazy headpiece carapace that grows out of its normal looking banana looking head it's crazy uh oh it's not a banana that is a straight up oh banana. yeah oh yes it is it is it is clearly a phallus because yeah. hr giger <laughs> which i i love his work so much and very excited to talk about that he's he's got some problems man <laughs> like i can you imagine sigmund freud watching this movie his brain would literally explode <laughs> can we can we engage in necromancy just to see that happen i, I would pay top dollar to no no, no necromancy but sigmund freud and reacting to all the sexual psychology horror of this it movie. would be hard seeing as he is a pile of ashes now yeah <laughs> freud would just be like oh there are so many mother references in this movie i can't take it i need you who is his assistant carl young yes carl young who started yeah carl young come here help me help me count all of the mothers <laughs> Carlo will just nod and he will he will rant about how the xenomorph represents like a collective unconscious of other monsters that are born out of like the the, the repulsion and horror about sexuality and then then he'll talk about like the animus in the shadow and like and then then and then the xenomorph will come out and kill him it's great this is how chris is going to kill the alien he's going to therapize it to death yes yeah. oh my gosh <sighs> So tell tell me about your alien queen. <laughs> yes, I will psychoanalyze the, the xenomorph. And so it's it comes to terms with its horrible sexually repressed past and then it will turn towards good. Yes. And that's the episode. Thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> the um so something to recognize is all three stages of this monster are very, very dangerous. Um one of the reasons for this being is that all of these stages have an absolutely incredible defense mechanism, that being acid blood. So when John Hurt's character goes into the into mm-hmm. the ship and sticks his face in an egg like an idiot, uh, and the facehugger attaches itself to him, and they you know they try to break it off, there is acid blood. So basically, cutting into this thing will have a very nasty effect on whatever is cutting into it as well as the surrounding environment it's just a very dangerous organism in general (laughs) there's nothing about this that screams cuddly or safe free face hugs (laughs) i mean yeah face hugger is a very cuddly name it has the word hug in it that's right and who doesn't like hugs you know you're right i stand corrected i mean once you get the chest burster then it's like okay okay now we're done well, then again, you know, if we go back to the Freud reference, I mean, who hugs your face more than your mother? Wow, you went there. Okay. <laughs> we are walking on a tightrope here, and I am uh, I'm going to walk us away from the edge here. <laughs> <laughs> and instead talk about the thing that jams its, its appendage down your throat and, oh, oh, no. <laughs> no. But, yeah, this is uh, the, the Freudian nightmare aside, this um, – once the monster implants its eggs into the person, it then grows <laughs> into a, you know, a long prehensile-looking creature, and then bursts out of somebody's chest in just, it's it's gross. It's real gross. But honestly, I think that larval stage that comes out of a human is probably the least dangerous version of it. 
when it just hatches, because, you know, it's small, it's quick, and it can probably bite, and it definitely still has acid blood, but it's small. And you, if you take, like, a dictionary, you could probably scoosh it. Like, a, like well, what, like a spider on the wall? <laughs> just get, like, a just get like a broom and just hit it a couple times. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> Rolled up newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here! Get! Hey, stop that! <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> the Do Sunday copy of the New York Times could take it out at that point. Well, I mean, have you guys seen the... Those Australian Ooh. spiders that the facehuggers are based on, I think. They're based off something? Oh, the huntsman? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a spider, like a dude, there was a video on YouTube of a dude trying to catch one of these spiders with a bowl, because it's on his oh, wall. Oh, no! And as he's getting close to, like, put it in the bowl, it, like, jumps backwards into the bowl and knocks him back. Like, it's... Why aren't we yeah. doing an episode on that? <laughs> we basically are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're doing yeah. something inspired and by it, right? Not, uh, like uh, Bannon and uh, well, the original screenwriter, he was, uh, and as well as like Scott, they were also heavily inspired by like a, a series of parasitic wasps that fly around and like they sting like certain types of caterpillars or ants, uh, and they inject eggs into you know other other poor insects and the larva would grow uh inside and eventually it would eat its way out through muscle and through tissue and then you have a bunch of brand new insect wasp babies that, that come out of the corpse and it's 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 wild and there's there's at least like through a series of interviews they cited at least like three or four different types of parasitic wasps and it's like that's it's scary that there's just there's one but the factors like a handful that all do this is like yeah they hunt tarantulas too which is just like another <laughs> level of like oh you you take one nightmare and you have it fight uh, another nightmare god damn it nature why do you have to be so scary just how that exists in real life and then ridley sky and bannon and uh so sad they're like let's make this way more terrifying and add some freudian nightmares to it i i love it it's great so assuming you don't scoosh the tiny little baby alien like a spider when it first pops out of your friend's chest it then grows into what like a six foot six six foot seven monstrosity uh seven seven foot um because the original actor who portrayed the alien here uh he was about like seven feet tall fun fact ridley scott met bolaji badejo who plays the alien the he was a graphic artist um <laughs> illustrator that they met randomly at a pub and really Scott looked at this guy like, this guy's perfect. He's long, he's limber, he has, he has thin limbs, he's going to be my alien. And, and he stuck him to a suit and that's what happened. Is that a compliment? Yes, I, I want you in my freak show movie. You're going to be my monster. As he like puts his cigarette out on the, on the ashtray, get him in a suit immediately! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be in the moving picture show. Is, is Ridley Scott a 1920s director? Yeah, in like a in like a 1970s movie. <laughs> uh, and then it's wild because like after Badejo um, finished movie or finished the movie, he like he like uh, kind of secludes himself into a, an anonymity, or like he just never he just never acted again um and he's just like yeah i just want to go back to my peaceful life and it's like oh, okay well one and done i can respect that i mean you go out on a high note right exactly but yeah chris uh, you're totally right so uh the xenomorph uh, like after 
after it molts, it becomes a chest burster. It goes through this rapid um, growth stage where it molts mm -hmm. several times into full-sized, seven-foot humanoid adult terror. Uh, and it, 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 it needs to feed. It needs to hunt. And it, it only and, and it matures in a matter of hours too. It it does grow exactly. very quickly. Yeah, um, it grows like. <laughs> I would say it grows like a weed, but it grows way faster than a weed. Yeah. Um. In the movie, they find like the shedded like uh molt of uh, of the creature, like in the engine room and stuff like that. Before he gets eaten and taken up into the vent. We, uh, before we were we were recording this, we were talking about like this was a deleted scene. Brett, the uh, the old guy with the hat, the engineer. Uh, he was looking for Jones, and there's in this extended scene. Uh, I wish they kept it in. It showed a, a much more extended grisly scene where, like, the xenomorph reaches out with the human horse hands, it grabs around Brett's face, it starts like, crushing his skull, uh, and then it starts climbing up with his body into the chains, into the, into the ceiling. And just right then, um, Parker and Ripley walk, run in. They see this horrible scene happen, and then Parker gets rained on by, uh, rained down on with Brett's blood. It's like, oh, so. So cool, so creepy, so savage, and um, it just shows how relentless and ruthless uh, the Xenomorph drone is. It is, after all, the perfect killing machine. I mean, it really is, because A, it's quick. B, it's kind of like, like a cat, almost, in that it can fit into very small spaces. C, it has multiple different kinds of weapons. It can use its acid blood to bore holes into areas. It has very sharp claws in both its hands and feet. Uh, its tail is basically a biological sword, yeah. spear, and it's, oh, yeah. uh, and then Let's it's got that, the mini mouth inside yeah. the mega mouth. Yeah, so let's, let's not forget about the tiny mouth. I was, yeah. I, I did mean to ask, what is the purpose of that tiny mouth inside the big mouth? So, uh, I, I was reading, I was reading up some other stuff that's supposedly canon. So, uh, that inner maw is how it feeds it doesn't feed with its humanoid outer mouth it takes in like nutrition and flesh from its victims using the inner mouth uh which also happens to be its primary weapon at least in the first alien like it kills most of its victims using the inner mouth and then uh, it killed lambert with its barbed tail um also to add on to chris's diagnosis of his abilities um Ash was explaining how it has like this really tough chitin, this this carapace. I forget what it called it. It was like protein polysaccharides or something along those lines. And especially while it was uh, in the face hugger form, I think it also applies to its adult form. Uh, it has like this super solid layer of silicon on its outer surface or of cells, so it makes it highly resistant to like damage um and like very like uh, resistant or it gives off very little heat which is something they they expanded upon in aliens where based on its carapace it like gives off like a super crazy low uh heat signature which is why they used the motion tracking devices in both alien and mm -hmm. aliens and it's like it's perfectly evolved to survive like the vacuum of space so even if you like jettison the space like it's still can live it's just floating in space quote unquote harmlessly yeah but the fact that it can you know live in space would imply that it doesn't need oxygen which yeah. is 
worrying. So if it doesn't need to breathe, it can't be suffocated. <laughs> yeah, granted, it's not like we really suffocate the, our monsters a lot. That's not our go-to. It's true. So, but they're not bulletproof, which is nice. So, which would imply that there is. They're not invincible. Uh, we should probably make that clear. You lay in enough firepower, fire works, but there is, like, you, you can't kill it. It's just super hard. But it gets even harder when it gets into the third form of the Alien Queen. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, ah. Tell, tell us more about Alien Queen. I have a quick question when, when, as we're going from, like, the, the classic Xenomorph to the Alien Queen. So you're saying they're not bulletproof, but as many shots as I've seen them, these things take in flamethrower attempts, these soldiers are really bad at killing it. Am, well, I, am I making this up? or did I No, miss no. Well, A, the soldiers and aliens were not great. Uh, but B, I would also point out that they can take a lot of bullets, but mm. it just takes a lot of bullets to kill them. Uh, okay, gotcha. So it's not like you—it's not like Superman where you shoot at it and then the bullet bounces off and doesn't do anything. It'll take the bullet and it'll slow it down, but it'll still keep coming after you. Okay, gotcha. Also, with like with aliens, like they're not just dealing with one drone; they're dealing with like a, a giant giant hive swarm. And they—they they show here that they attack in packs. They're very eusocial creatures, so they—they they might have like a like some sort of shared sense of communication whether it's like telepathic or like like some guttural communication that we don't understand or maybe they just like maybe they actually are a hive mind so they share like collective consciousness with the queen i mean it's not delved into that much but like when you get to aliens like you're not only dealing with ferocity you're dealing with like sheer intense numbers as well and part of the thing with the first film is why they had so much trouble killing it was one they didn't recognize what the hell they were dealing with the only one who actively knew that it was anything was going on was Ash, and he was sabotaging all attempts to kill it. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he was also a robot. Yes, mm-hmm. and also B, that was just a regular kind of like trucker ship. They didn't really have any real weapons to deal with or to work with. Yeah, they were like um, they were like cargo haulers. That was their thing. Yeah. They they moved shit around. <laughs> the future equivalent of teamsters. Yeah, basically it was. Although I will say. <laughs> If if we put Teamsters in the cage with an alien, I would give it to the Teamsters. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, that, and, uh, you're going to go and you're going to walk out. You're going to walk back in. The alien's going to be gone, and they're going to be like, we don't know what happened to it. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what happened to it. And it's going to be like buried under a stadium in Detroit somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and they're all going to want the full share of the pay. Oh, of course. That's what happens when you got a union job. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, maybe they'll fight it until like noon, and then they'll take an hour lunch because it's like lunch break it's mandated lunch break and then they'll go back to fighting it in the afternoon that's that's super civilized okay an hour <laughs> lunch break is super civilized of course no of course and it just speaks to the alien how it lets them have a lunch break too yeah but <laughs> see that's where they get you they'll say yeah you got this lunch break but they don't tell him that he's they got a different lunch break oh and so when the alien goes on his lunch break they kill it oh that's insidious <laughs> No, no, no! It's oh. Alien. Insidious is a different movie. Will you're you're right. You're right. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the Alien was an Animaniacs? What? It was an yeah. Animaniacs. Yeah. <laughs> there was a cart. I forget the cartoon, but like the Xenomorph showed up and it had like the mouth. That's it. That's all I remember. <laughs> and then, of course, Spaceballs with with John Hurt, you know, killing over in the diner, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then the the chestburster starts doing the Michigan J Frog. Well, the chestburster scene is a classic scene. 
Yeah. And, oh God, in Spaceballs. Yep. I, I just rewatched that for this podcast. God, I love how they brought John Hurt back for it again. Mm-hmm. Too. So good. Okay, so if you're if you're encountering a xenomorph in any of its form, like what's the most gruesome way to die? Is it like getting chest bursted or just getting your head like blown apart by its inner maw? Or... I would say the chest burster too, um, because Be the great. alien. Yeah, the alien is ruthlessly efficient, as Ash likes to remind us. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't fuck around. It doesn't try to torture people. It it just goes in for the kill as quick as it can. Um, a lot of the tension come in the film comes from where is it? Where is it? Where is it? We're looking for it. We're looking for it. And oh, it's showing up on the radar and it's getting closer. It's not like it's taking its sweet time or anything. It's moving as fast as it can. <laughs> and then it gives you it, it it reaches out his arms to give you a big hug, like it did to to Dallas when he climbed down the later the ladder. He turns to his left. It gives him a it's like hug me, and then and then Dallas dies. Um, I I also just feel like the chest bursting stage is probably the most painful death out of all of that. Because you can feel it inside you from the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, no, John Hurt did not have an easy going out there. No. no. <laughs> so I, I would also pick that as probably the worst way to go. Because while all the others are, like we said, the monster is very efficient. So your death will probably be relatively fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, because like it was already pointed out, the alien mm-hmm. is efficient. It's a killing machine. It's designed mm-hmm. to kill and procreate, and that's it. But with the chestburster, it's got to make its way out of there. And yeah, you feel the entire thing. That is not a quick and painless death. No. <laughs> you feel every single bit of that. And yeah, that's probably the most painful way to go. Mm-hmm. So... I think Chris, you mentioned that you you mentioned how the chestburster might be like the less like the the least dangerous form of this, but like I'm now th- I'm tr- trying to think about it in math terms. Like how much how much force do you have to exert to like like literally catapult your way out through someone's chest cavity? Not just for like a normal human, but the 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 space jockeys, the 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 alien pilot from the original craft. Like they were also chestbursted out, so. Would that change your view of how dangerous a chestburster is on the general continuum of a of the life cycle? Yeah, because the uh, the the tensile strength of an average sternum is uh, it's pretty it's pretty solid. I think it's about you know maybe a a one by four or something. Oh no, I I wasn't saying that the chest that the face hugger was the least dangerous. I was saying when it first emerges from the mm. chest, that's when it's probably the least dangerous. Oh yeah, because the the face hugger is designed to jump on and latch itself to your face, so that in itself carries a lot of dangers. And I know in the first movie, John Hurt basically sticks his face in the egg, and in Aliens, if I remember correctly, the alien queen will like glue people to walls and then like get the chest bursters real close to get them attached. And in other lesser alien films the chest burst or the face huggers are super good at jumping out of the egg and attaching themselves to people mm-hmm. i don't know whether those are canon because they're from alien versus predator <laughs> um, but... uh, <laughs> i feel like it's not our place to argue how canon that movie is here i, 
I mean, it, it's 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 glorified fan fiction. It's like, what if the Yon T fight the alien? It's it's awesome, and you know, you know they, although they, in Predator yeah. Two they did have xenomorph skulls in the ship, so they did, they did. Um, Danny Glover, he was looking at the the wall trophies, and he found the the xenomorph. Yeah, skulls. it's 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 a it's a problem. These these monsters are a real problem, <laughs> and we didn't even we haven't really even touched on the Alien Queen. How Chris? How big would you say that sucker is? Like six feet tall. Uh, the alien queen. Oh, geez, that is the queen. Oh, oh the, never mind. The, the queen. Oh no, it's way bigger than. Yeah, the drone. The drones are like uh, between um, six and seven. Six to De- seven feet, depending tall. on where they come from. And that's actually another point that we should probably touch on real quick. Is that depending on what a face hugger latches onto will determine what kind of alien you're getting from it. Yeah, it's. It's called like um I was I was watching some videos like it was it was calling it horizontal gene transfer so like it takes on the properties of whatever it's infecting so like the the drone we saw in Alien um that's it coming from a human host and I forget which Alien Three comes from, it comes from a dog is it Alien Three like the alien dog Wait so you're saying that if a face header emerges out of a predator it's gonna come out with like dreadlocks and shit it. it- it can and it did. It, that's that happened at the. Uh, it was like the post credit scene of AVP, where um, like it was like the second or third act, like a face hugger uh, flies out uh, and towards a Yanti, and it cuts. You never really see what happens to it. And then later, the very end, the chest burst bursts out of the, the carcass of uh, a predator, and the chest burster kind of had like dreadlock tendril things on its head and then avp2 the entire plot premise was that the humans and a bunch of predators basically were fighting each other but also teaming up to fight the predalian uh because like yeah uh, my, my head hurts uh... <laughs> but yeah chris to go back to your original question um the queen is massive it like it's like at least like 100 feet tall it's huge is it? No, it can't be a hundred feet tall. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up. Also, I love how I'm typing it up, and the one of the first things I see in my search bar is is the alien queen is a Disney princess. So it is. Huh. <laughs> it says here fourteen feet. Fourteen feet. Okay, so clearly the article I was reading is was lied to me. But Adrian, another weird fact about the Predalian is that like most creatures or most aliens. They're they're averse to fire and fl- so flamethrowers, pipe bombs, Molotovs are common weapons. But the Predalian, it, it secretes this weird ooze, and so it makes its skin or its body like resistant to fire. It's like okay, thanks. Uh, this thing is on God mode. Okay, so here's the question now. Now that we've kind of dis- discussed what it can do, the forms, how would you guys kill it? Oh, I've got a, I got a, I got a, a quick way. Um, so let's say that you're, uh, you're playing Curious George, and you're like, oh, what are these, what are these huge-looking ostrich, ostrich eggs that have popped up on my doorstep? Oh, this is fun. I get to eat. I get to eat well. And then it opens up, and then boom, face hugger hits you in the face. You can't do anything. On on first thought, you're like, hey, well, I don't have to wear a face mask anymore. That's taken care of. But now you're like, ah, this thing is, uh, and, and it's, it's deposited the, the seed inside your chest. 
and you're like, what do I do? How do I get rid of this parasite that's about to burst out of my chest in T minus 28 minutes? You go to KFC. Yeah. Yeah, you go to KFC. You order 15 or 16 KFC double downs. Uh Yeah. Oh, no. And for the uninitiated, a double down is... Uh, it's a it's a bacon sandwich, bacon and cheese, and on for the bread they've replaced the bread with two fried chicken patties, and then you, you get get that, and you eat about six seven of them, and then you wash it down with some gravy and a oh, little God. bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of gravy, a little bit of butter, and um, I think you have to what it the the thing that really sells it is the Mountain Dew. So the gravy, butter, and Mountain Dew, and then you do like 15 jumping jacks, get everything all percolating. And yeah, if that thing doesn't die inside of your chest, you're going to throw it right back up. So um, I think that's how you defeat the larval stage. I feel uh, like that's a little bit like chemotherapy, where you're hoping hoping that the that the medicine will kill it before it kills you. I mean, also the 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 larva like feeds on whatever you're feeding on. So what if you just made an even stronger chest burster, where it's not like this measly string of flesh? It like it hulks out out of your body, and now it's jacked because it has so much protein. It's amped on a Mountain Dew. You've created <laughs> a, a new variant of chest burster. If that chest burster is AO, not just. If it's not amplified, but if it's just like A-OK after three bottles of Mountain Dew, 16 double downs, and gravy, four ounces of gravy, and three ounces of butter, it deserves to burst out of my chest. Like, at that point, there's nothing you can do to it, because you've already thrown the heaviest arsenal at it. I don't know. You you didn't throw that uh, that Krispy Kreme sandwich at it. Oh, oh yes. The Luther. Yes. The Luther burger. Yes, you should throw the Luther, too. So double downs. And a Luther burger. That's the double tap. You have to double down and <laughs> Luther. You can't just do one of either. Adrian, I, I have a question. I have a question for you. Yes. Um, so yeah. you mentioned that this is a, this is indeed a KFC, right? Now, yes. I have a question. Is this just a KFC or is this the Kentucky Bell? Oh, no, 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 no. Where they have, you don't. The, they have the Taco Bell and the KFC in the same store. I mean, if you want to be safe, you go to a Kentucky Bell. Uh-huh. You know, because I mean... If you put the double down plus a Luther and then the meat product from the Taco the, Bell the into meat your body, product. <laughs> the, meat product. Yeah. <laughs> I, the pig stuff. Yeah, I think that's the safest way to mm-hmm. to get rid of a xenomorph. Right, I right, mean, maybe right. you'll you'll live for two are weeks. Are you trying to induce cardiac arrest with the chest burster? Are you trying to like <laughs> induce like an extended food coma so it'll be a little life in the gestation period so you have enough time to get a surgeon to cut you open and remove it or like what um, you're gonna you're gonna clog your arteries so much that the xenomorph cannot survive <laughs> exactly i think that's the that's the real winner now yeah. um, um follow-up question i apologize um so there's the kentucky bell did you also know that they have kentucky bell huts that's evil. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's, that it's, sounds... it's a KFC Taco Bell Pizza Hut. No, oh, we God. don't. Oh, no, not at all. I love Absolutely this country. Not. 
Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> that's that's where I put my foot down to say that the cure can't be worse than the disease. A, a Kentucky Bell hut? That is just too much. <laughs> it is. So, I mean, you could just get your chicken, right? And you smear mm. the mashed potatoes on your pizza. Oh, God. <laughs> no. And the only reason, I mean, oh, God, that just is... For number one, that's just awful. It's demonic, and I won't have that in my body. I'll, I'll I'll walk up to the line where where the line says Pizza Hut, and number two, I'm gonna avoid the the hut because the majority shareholder in Pizza Hut is Java. And I'm not gonna have that in my body. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about what about uh, Will Ryan, Will or Ryan? Chris, we already heard your. Uh, explanation for killing it with a Freudian uh, with Freud. <laughs> well, I have a second plan. If, it, if the psychotherapy does not take, th- this is very complicated. It's, it's, it, it's not something that I could do on a shushing budget, but if I had the budget, so I would, uh, I would perform a heist. Oh, That's the first one. So I, yeah. so I have the seed money. Yes. Go heist. Uh, just for the record, heists on this podcast never go well. <laughs> there, there is so much backstabbing. Do not use anybody in this call for a heist. Now, Chris, don't take my idea now. So I, I have a heist. So we assume everything's okay. That's your first terrible idea. You assumed something. Well, okay. I'll work on the details later, you know, you know or improv. So I, I have all the money so I can pay off a uh, one of the Yata, one of the predators, uh, Specifically, their equivalent of a doctor or surgeon. So we will establish through the promise of a brave scientific discovery with me as the as the, the test subject, as a specimen. So they'll get a shrink ray. They will shrink down one of their warriors, and they'll they'll inject me with that warrior. So it's, it's, it's piling around in my body. At this point, I'm already infected by a face hugger and a chest burster. It's just still growing. And to provide the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate challenge besides AVP, the movie, they will have to traverse through my body, like some extended Dungeons and Dragons dungeon crawl where they have to, they have to avoid like all my microbes, all my stomach acid, all that uh, bad juju. They have to fight their way and gain XP, gain levels until they reach the final boss, which is the chest burster growing in my stomach. My body's a temple, and my temple uh, worship is done through Mortal Kombat. So, so the predator, still miniaturized, will have to use its wits and guile technology and the natural environment of the, of my innards to kill the the chest burster and climb out of my body with its head as a trophy and it'll be a boon to human and yata predator science it'll be a brand new uh, gladiatorial sports event we'll we'll put nano cameras in my my body so we can do this again and again and again so, until i die so this is just until a fantastic my, voyage is what i'm getting out of this yes there you go i'm not sure if i misheard something but i Distinctly, but I heard the phrase "until I die." So you're not going to make it out of this. Is yeah, I mean, also because assuming assuming I want to make a franchise out of this, I mean, obviously, I put myself at great risk every time I do this. I, I guess the odds might be against me if I do this multiple, multiple times. If I want to make this a, a brand new sport. Because, you know, everything else is closed down. But at least I can make this new sport for the people. <laughs> Just picturing it's like you make it out the first time. Where, uh, because what kind of warrior is fighting inside of you? Is this like a, uh, 
Oh, like the Predator from the the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Ooh. like you know. See, they they yeah. they they bring a lot of collateral damage. So if he's they do. <laughs> see, but I I take this with great risk and great pride because I am not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for the people, for all aliens to have a new form of entertainment. Chris is nothing if not generous, uh, yeah, Chris, man of I'm... dedicated to the cause, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> A man of the alien people. Like, Chris <laughs> took some mind-altering substance and watched the Magic School Bus and the movie The Cell before going to sleep, woke up, watched Alien, <laughs> and recorded this. I want to make a movie about this, peeps. This would be great. It, it exists. It's called The Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> but does The Fantastic Voyage have chest bursts in it? No, it's got... It's got brain aneurysms and stuff. What about you, Ryan and Will? What would your guys' solutions be? Depends on what form we're we're talking about here. If we're talking about face hugger, I I immediately have to kill the host. But I'm not a kind person, so I would like to make sure that. I'm monitoring what's happening to the host and therefore said parasite while I torture this person to death. Oh, so you're going to use like an ultrasound mm. just to see mm-hmm. how the how the how the chest burster's doing while you're inflicting mm-hmm. pain on the mm-hmm. on the person. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's but, not so that wait, bedside manner is not that great. No. Does the host <laughs> Does the host need to be alive for the alien to survive? I I guess I, Yeah, it does. Well, does it? Well, John just... Hurt was alive until it was done with it, and then it killed it by bursting through his chest. They yeah, keep but... you alive until they're done with you. Does is it keeping him alive though, or is it just kind of living in? I it? remember, I remember yeah. Dallas and Ash were talking about it. like it put John Hurt into like this sort of coma like state. Like I mean, it was I mean like uh, he was still he was... he was upright. Yeah, but later, like later, like afterwards, he after he came out of this this coma like fugue state he was he was obviously like, really really hungry he was like he was downing water he was eating uh, as many noodles as possible and then he was still feeding for two so to speak and then and then paperm and you keep yeah. eating but you're not feeding your body you're feeding what's consuming everything inside your body but i want to kill it before we get to that point <laughs> yeah but i just don't know whether killing the host would do that well if it can't get what it needs from the host it can't burst out of your chest but let's say it does anyway and i fail at that i have to kill it before it matures so you only have a couple of hours now how do i do that i don't fucking know there was a cat on shit on the ship though so either i need to find a way to get the cat and the baby alien in the same room together i don't like cats anyway maybe that's how we end up with a flurkin or find a way to get Ash and the alien in the same room. That cat watched so many people die. <laughs> <laughs> Jones. Yes. Jones. Also, the beginning of that premise sounds like the most interesting TV sitcom. Like the cat and the xenomorph. <laughs> Sharing one room. <laughs> find out what happens tonight at 8 on the cat and the xenomorph. I would watch it. I would back that. Adrian, are you going to... you gonna? Pitch that oh, really? Man. The guy who's going to put predators and aliens in his chest is all for that? What a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> what about you, Will? How'd you kill it? 
Um, so I feel like the best defense is to get this uh, monster or the alien early, right? So I'm going to say it's in the facehugger stage, and it's in me. Unfortunately, my steak sauce clone was um, ineffective in preventing myself from being infected by this monster. So I have to use plan B. So have you guys seen that movie, Osmosis Jones? Osmosis Jones, hell yeah. Oh, quick, I will. Quick question. You're saying your, st- your, your steak sauce clone was ineffective? And, and prevent- Is it in- ineffective? In- yeah, ineffective? Yeah, non-effective. I feel like it was very effective at, like... Is that supposed to be a repellent? Because I feel like that's just that just sweetens the pot. Well, well, see, the idea obviously being I backstab all my companions and I give and I give them the steak sauce cologne. Oh, uh, I thought you were wearing it. Okay, you just. I mean, I could if it's like date night or something, but <laughs> if it's like date night or something, but like I feel like in this situation, um, oh. I would have snuck it into the coats of all my companions and or scarves if you're there, Adrian. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> but since the face hugger probably doesn't have a sense of smell, it doesn't work. And um, I'm infected. So what I do is I find a regular old uh, cold pill and I take it and the cold pill pairs up with the white blood cell in my body and it becomes a buddy cop uh, action comedy movie starring Chris Rock and whoever fucking plays uh, Drix. (laughs) From Frasier. Was he? I think so. Yeah. Moses Jones cast. Was it? Uh, David Hyde, David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, Fuck yeah, Chris Rock and David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. Um. Oh shit! Did you guys know that Thrax was played by Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, yeah. I, knew, I knew that much. <laughs> yes, I didn't know that. That's that was awesome. Anyway, awesome. <laughs> anyway, so they're gonna team. William Sh- Will Shatner was the mayor. That I didn't know either. Wow, this is a really star-studded cast. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray was the main dude. This. What was this? What was this freaking movie, man? <laughs> I watched it in like <laughs> elementary school or something. <laughs> there was a TV show too. I remember it being terrible. Yeah, Ozzy and Drix. It was awful. <laughs> if you want a good version of a TV show of Osmosis Jones, you should watch the anime Cells at Work. Oh, that's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's so okay. good. And it's very okay. informative. I highly recommend. Okay, I digress. I'm sorry. That was a tangent. I had to I had to get that out. Cells at Work is amazing. It's Osmosis, Osmosis Jones, the anime. The Weeb and me will have to check it out. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it's it's in me. It's in it's in me. Just like the it's in me. Just like the face hugger. Um, Maybe your inner weeb can kill the inner face hugger. I don't think it's strong enough. <laughs> it turns into a body pillow. Quite. Oh, but but smothering it doesn't work. Remember, because it doesn't need air. Oh, this is true. <laughs> anyway, my my white blood cell and his new pill companion have a wacky yet epic adventure throughout my body, and eventually corner the vase hugger in my stomach and kill it in an epic battle. Is is Osmosis Jones and your pill gonna team up with my predator inside my yeah, body? They could. Yeah, yeah, they that'll could. be the Avengers based sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be the crossover. Yeah. You just see a predator with an eye patch turn around. I want to join. I want you to join the Osmosis Initiative. Are we going to talk about the Osmosis Jones expanded universe? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not because that did not need to expand. I feel like I feel like a lot of things get expanded universes now that don't need it. But we need this one. This is this is gold. Really, Scott, give yeah, us your it, blessing. Oh, do we really want his blessing after Alien Covenant, though? No. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I rest my case. <laughs> what came before Alien Covenant? What was that movie? Prometheus, which was also yeah. terrible. Yeah, I remember yeah. Prometheus. That was bad. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Prometheus, I mean, they, they, I don't know. They just tried to convolute the lore of, or the origins of the Xenomorphs too much. Like, uh, the black goo was this crazy genetic altering substance that gave birth to other progenitors that eventually gave rise to the Xenomorph as we know it. It's just, it was just very, very, very convoluted. Yeah, but we'll talk about that on your episode. But yeah, oh, so... I will also <laughs> note that like everyone has picked a fight with the larval stage up to now. Like no one's. Yeah, you know, you guys are. I'm, fuck you guys. I'm going hard mode. Fight the queen. Well, let's see how that turns uh-huh. out. It's a bull. It's a bull strategy, Cotton. Let's see how that plays out. I want to get killed by acid. So yeah, I'm going safe route. Going with the baby version. You guys are going soft on me, man. <laughs> fucking pussy mode over here if you want to get gonna... corroded from the inside out be my guest i'll watch no it's not going to be the inside out it's going to be the outside in <laughs> that's also true but i'll just watch yeah so here's what i'm going to do because the alien queen is um by the point by the time you got an alien queen you're already you got a lot of problems so i'm going to be taking a tool that i've used on a previous episode i'm going to be taking that israeli bulldozer and I am going to trick it out even more. And basically, I'm going to turn it into a massive suicide bomb. And I'm going to stuff it with dynamite. And I am going to rig it so that you can remotely pilot the thing. Because that is something you can do. And you can actually remotely pilot vehicles for kind of cheap um, if you know what you're doing. And I'm going to drive it directly into the alien queen and blow it up. But but Chris, counterpoint, what are you gonna do with all the Praetorians and drones that are I'm just gonna guard them? Okay, first first things first, we take care of the big problems, and then you you know, you nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Uh okay, so you you, you initiate exterminatus and just take an orbital cannon and blow up the planet. Is that a forty K reference in my yes, podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that should be yes, illegal. I am a nerd. <laughs> that should be illegal. Um but also, Chris, counterpoint, what about the steak sauce cologne I put in your coat? Why Ooh. would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> well, so I wouldn't get infected by the face hugger, which didn't work. So <laughs> you killed us all, you idiot. <laughs> no, I didn't break quarantine. I'm not also, uh, I'm not one to try to be the realist mm-hmm. here, but how do you get the Israelis to part with that uh, super? I already have it. That's oh, a non-issue. Okay. Yes. It's a non-issue. It's gotcha. a non-issue. In your regular bunker or your space bunker? <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> Maybe it's your underwater bunker. Maybe it's the underwater bunker. There has to be a space bunker. What about the volcano like, bunker? Yeah. It's going to be in space, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's true. Like, like, that's what, very what, true. What, what Are we... Uh, if it's... If it's in reference to like the original movie, are we also on a giant, clunky, old space rig? Or this is like AVP, where it's on Earth, or in Antarctica, uh, or uh, or are we fighting on actual on, on their planet, like LZ-426? Oh, that's, uh, that's not complicated. Let's just stick to the original uh, spaceship that we're in, I guess. So I would actually... I agree with that. I would say uh, liquid nitrogen. Ooh! You basically, at least for like the regular forms, you basically cool the thing and then smash it. Nice. Because li- liquid nitrogen works because that will it'll freeze the blood, and then you won't have the problem with uh, 
the uh, the acid blood. And that's honestly like I wouldn't recommend like bullets work if you have no other options, but fire, ice, freezing, uh, something that could cauterize. So like if you got a lightsaber on hand, uh, that could work. But you basically you basically have to have a way to make sure that the blood doesn't splash on you. So, no, Chris, it's interesting you mentioned that. I forget which alien movie it was, but. But like there's there's like a legit scene where my, I might be thinking about the video games, but I know it's something in the Alien franchise where they attack the drone using uh, successive bursts of like cold and hot. So like, I think it was like liquid nitrogen, and then someone flamethrowed it afterwards. So what that did there, it like made its chitin carapace like really brittle, and then then it burnt it off. So it had that it lost that protective layer. So you're on the right track. I mean, that, that's something they explored already in the the overall franchise. Um, I I don't know if they ever done it like full T1000 where they completely encased it like in a tankard full of liquid nitrogen and it just exploded into a bunch of pieces. But yeah, that's I totally approve of that plan. That's great. Well, it's got the Samson seal of approval. So for some reason, I pictured you doing a Gallagher routine on the Xenomorph. So it was like you've dipped it in like you've splashed like the, the liquid nitrogen on it and now you're telling it bad jokes. Or it's like, how do you ease the pain of a xenomorph? With xenomorphine, and then you take like a sledgehammer <laughs> and then like smash it. And I'll tell you what, started. Adrian. I will do that and you can kill it saying that. That can be your <laughs> I mean, you would have to have everyone sign a death waiver in the splash zone, because like what if like a, when you smash it, like a whole bunch of alien blood that happens to not be frozen gets into the splash zone like you're people gonna be dying and yeah yeah i mean we we really didn't think it through but the the premise just had so much promise so we just had to at least try it follow your vision (laughs) dreams (laughs) i guess for me um like the, the liquid nitrogen plan is very good and i guess you know obviously uh parker rigged up the flamethrower the thing that I would take away from it, because since it's, it's like a space trucker, they would probably have this one of these tools. Taking uh, a little bit of uh, influence from Event Horizon, which is one of my other favorite sci-fi horror movies, they had like these super industrial uh, space nail guns, more or less, for repairs on spaceship hulls. So I would gra- I would go to the tool locker, what about the, their shed, their, their their tools cache, and pick up one of those industrial nail guns for space repairs and as an abandonly of, of however many of those bikes that i can take with me and i would use that as an improvised firearm against the alien just in case the liquid nitrogen doesn't work or fire doesn't work so it sounds like a very prudent and practical strategy but the only thing is that if you miss yeah. then that nail is going somewhere you're going to create like a hole in the ship perhaps yeah a, a nail gun on a spaceship might not be the best <laughs> idea but, I mean, again, if you're within several layers deep, like if you're not on the outside periphery on a piece of the ship that's like bordering space, I think you'll be fine. Any recommendations for regular people if they wake up one morning and they see a xenomorph in their home? A xenomorph in my home? <laughs> in this economy? <laughs> well, if you see it, wake up and see a xenomorph in your home, just be like, all right, so what the hell did I have to drink last night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like the it's like the sci-fi hangover. Yeah, because I mean that's that's probably as terrifying as waking up and seeing like the Burger King king like in your like sitting next to you with like a with a egg sandwich. Actually, if I had to have my pick between waking up and staring into the face of a xenomorph or the Burger King King, I would take the xenomorph. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We might have to do an episode on him because he seems unstoppable and he like and you can't kill him and he can't you can't keep him out of a specific location. So does our scale even go high enough so we can place the Burger King on it? I don't know. Our scientific, our scientifically researched um, monster rating scale? I don't know. I mean, his food is marginally mediocre at best, and <laughs> somehow those restaurants keep popping up, so I don't know how you can. <laughs> it spreads. Exactly. Capitalism can't kill it, so if that can't kill it, what can? I don't know. A lawsuit from, <laughs> from Harper or cardiac arrest? All right, guys, what would you rate this monster as? On the uh, scientific monster rating scale, I am leaning towards like a a seven point five, going up towards the eight territory, just because uh, it's 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 not impossible to kill, but even alone, it's a it's going to be super super fucking tough, and even in the best of circumstances, you'd be great to come out like mauled or maimed or something, and even the solution like trying to shoot, it's just gonna fire back on you with the acid and mm-hmm. the claws and the so yeah i'd give it a strong eight i was leaning towards nine but like i'm 8.5 eight ish so gotcha i'm actually gonna fall in behind adrian there and give it a solid eight there is nothing about this creature that is easy it's hard to kill its blood is literal acid it pops out from inside you there is no phase in this monster's life cycle that makes it easy to kill unless you have like heavy equipment or something or something of that nature so i'm going to give this one a solid eight all right uh ryan and chris how would you rate it point three point three three? oh eight point three eight point three i was like wow that's the lowest score no no oh my god no eight point three I would give it, uh, I would go go as so far as give it like a, a 9 out of 10. I mean, it's like Ash would so reverently describe perfect organism, perfectly evolved, whether on Earth or in space. Uh, every cycle of its, or every phase of its life cycle is all terrifying in its own way. Um, even, even at the chestburster stage, like, it just uses its survival instincts instincts and its size and its dexterity to its advantage so it, like it hides in the vents it can blend into any surrounding and like all of its natural defense mechanisms and that's just one drone when you scale it up to like aliens and then the further one where you're dealing with packs of xenomorphs working together uh it's just bad news bears all around so yeah i too applaud its ferocity and its purity and i want to i want to be i want i want to be a xenomorph in in another life just so i can i can i can i can taste the the perfection it it holds as a pure being i want to be a xenomorph hey ryan are you okay uh blink twice if your podcast host is threatening you (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh he broke up i think chris got her oh no oh no yeah, oh no, says Chris. 
I'd, I'd probably be inclined to agree with you guys. I mean, might rate it a little bit lower, uh, seven point nine to an eight. But yeah, I think an eight, like it is killable, but it's also just very dangerous. So, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. There it is, folks. You've wasted another perfectly good hour with Iron, Silver, and Salt. I'd like to thank Chris and Ryan from the Left for Dread podcast for coming on today. Is there uh where can we find you guys at? Well, so you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, basically any podcast player of your choice. Uh, you can also find us on um, Instagram at Left for Dread. You can also find us uh, on our website, so it's uh, leftfordreadpod.com. I'd like to give credit to Josh Woodward for the theme song. You can find his work at www.joshwoodward.com. Uh, you can also reach out to us at ironsilverandsalt at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at ironsilversalt, as well as Facebook, right, Will? That's correct. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ironsilversalt. All right, and uh, thanks again for Chris and Ryan coming on the podcast. We always love having you guys. It's always good to be here, and uh, I'm really excited because uh, we're also doing a special crossover episode on Leopard Dread. So we'll be talking about more about the film and the, the background and production on that. So if you enjoyed this, uh, hop on over to Leopard Dread, and uh, you can listen to that episode. Great, and I just want to say uh, don't be afraid of what goes up in the night. Yeah, just get out there and kill your monsters. Good night, everyone. The town was safe from all those wicked dissidents. They could continue with their life of innocence, dispensing justice from a higher power.